What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and this week's going to be a little different. The rest of the crew is off. A lot of people got a lot of things going on this week, and I was able to sit down with an amazing guest, Josh Nealis from Cutthroat Comics, shoot the breeze, talk with him about some books, talk with him about some music, uh, talk about all kinds of stuff. So it was a great time, great conversation. That's coming up. With that being said, I'm going to run through the normal uh, rigmarole. We're going to do the toast. All the good stuff that you know and love from the Loot Bros podcast. This week's toast is going to go out to our Patreon producers. We have El Presidente, the T-Bird. We have Redbeard Rick. We have the King of the Poop Sock. We have My Name is Mayo. And we have the podcast producer, uh, Patreon champion of the world, MZ Nitro. So, with that being said, you guys, it's been a light week for me. I mentioned on the show last week that I was coming down with some sickness, and I ain't talking about the disturbed kind. Good Lord, that I end up getting sick. <laughs> it was not a good week for me. I w- did not feel good at all. So, I barely played anything. A little bit of Dying Light 2 and some Dead by Daylight with the kids. As a matter of fact, I don't... Man, I might have popped some trophies this week, but it's slim pickings for me. Like I said, played a little bit of Dead by Daylight, and that was just, yeah, Dying Light 2, Dead by Daylight. And then I guess technically since the last recording, um, we did some Arkham, uh, Batman Arkham Origins. I don't know that we even did. I That might have been the week before. I don't. Even, I, can't even, I can't even think. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. So crazy. No, no, no. Yeah, for sure. We did the Batman Arkham Origins um, boost session with Redbeard Rick. Uh, we got Diego and a couple other people. That was good. Gareth Davis, you know, shout out to all you guys. That was a really good time. Man, I really appreciate you guys. That was a very frustrating but rewarding and oddly fun um, time of boosting. Uh, for any of you guys who have ever played Batman Arkham Origins, it has a multiplayer the multiplayer is actually really really fun uh it's kind of buried in this weird <laughs> i guess because the servers are, are, are long since forgotten you have to kind of queue in and then wait either 10 20 or 30 minute increments to be to even load into the main menu to then start organizing um playing online it's very very interesting very frustrating but uh, it, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, you know, we worked out and we got knocked out some of the bigger, harder trophies. And then my kids and I, I set up three TVs with Batman on, uh, very much like your Batcave command center kind of thing. And we all play, played for a couple hours that night at way after the booth session. And the boys and I had a blast. Who knows? We might even do the same thing again this weekend. Uh, feeling much better, you know, it was a very, very rough week. I ended up getting progressively sicker. I took a COVID test. It said negative. I don't believe it. I felt the same way I did when I had COVID a year ago, but you know, who knows? It could have been a man cold. Could have been just a, a little bit of the flu. I don't know. Either way, didn't play a ton of games. They got some trophies in dead by daylight. Um, fun game. I don't know why I like it. It has all of the trappings of things to make me dislike it. It's a multiplayer only game. Um, 
It's uh, loading in and loading out of matches. It takes forever. I don't know. It's definitely not. It's definitely not my favorite thing, but for whatever reason, I'm having a really good time with it, and uh, I keep playing it. And the kids enjoy it. So right now, we're gonna go with it. Will I? Uh, <laughs> will I ever play this? Like for the platinum? I seriously doubt it. Seriously doubt it. But with that being said, you know. I haven't played a ton. We'll get into the leaderboards, get into the backlog beatdown, and then I'm going to kick it straight over to the interview. This is going to be a shorter episode this week, uh, but we'll definitely make up for it when the full cast is back together next week. Head on over to truetrophies.com. Set yourself up a little profile. Then all you got to do is sync up your PlayStation account, and it'll keep track of all your trophies from week to week. We read out the top three to five, depending on the... On the week, so in first place, we have the Affectatious Donk with 316 trophies. In second place, the Chosen Seagull with 40 trophies. In third place, Tricky Mick, 39 trophies. We go fourth place, Redbeard Rick with 22, and Gaz Davis in fifth place with 22 as well. So, um, <clears throat> Redbeard Rick been knocking out those Batman Arkham Origins trophies. So stoked. I know you're going to get the Platinum Brother, and I'm excited for you. I'm ready to see it. I don't know that I'm going to go for it, though. These trophies are kicking my butt. The combat trophies are terrible. And I have finally... Okay, I got a little bit of story for you guys, actually. So normally I tell a story in the, in the beginning of the show. Uh, for this particular week, I sat in my office sick as a dog. And I was like, man, what am I going to do besides sleep? I don't want to sleep. I turned on my Xbox in my office, um, tried to play Game Pass, could not load a single Game Pass game. So frustrating. I did play a little bit of Crisis, uh, but I had the the game downloaded on the console because I own it. And I've never played the first Crisis game before. So far, it's pretty decent. I kind of want to play the remaster because I'm playing the Xbox 360 version. But I wanted to play something on Game Pass. Now, then, I couldn't even get the Game Pass menus to load. Game Pass failed me. Failed me hard this week. Uh, I go home. And I'm sitting in the game room with the boys. And I'm like, man, I need to be studying. But I felt like trash. Like, what am I going to do? Like, they want to play some games. I'm like, you know what? We watched um, watched lots of movies this week. We watched the uh, Jurassic World. And I was like, you know what? I've already seen this movie a dozen times. Uh, watching it with the kids. I'll uh, stream some, some PS Now, some Batman Arkham Origins to one of the Playstations that are in the same room. Could, I mean, it, it ran like absolute trash. Like, couldn't play the game. It ran so bad. And I'm a, usually a PS Now advocate. I'm like, man, PS Now usually does me does me good. No, it was trash. Now, two different places, two different services, two different types of internet connectivity, both bad experiences this week. I was not happy with that. I was a little frustrated. So I just kind of want to throw that out there, you guys. Um, also, uh, and this is something we'll talk about later. I think it's kind of busted. I, I read earlier that this might have been addressed, maybe fixed now. So this would be really cool. And this is no longer the case. Uh, but I read that the uh, Crossfire X, not only is it on, it's on Game Pass, not only is it getting just panned critically, uh, but it is, um, you had to pay an extra eight bucks to unlock the campaign. So like you get this game on Game Pass, but you don't get the full game unless you pay. And then I read in an article the other day, I think on True Achievements, um, dot com that, that you could that they rectified it. They did a patch to update up, you know, fix up some of the bugs and things, and then also to unlock the campaign through Game Pass. I don't know if that's legit or not. I have not looked at it this weekend. Um, so hopefully tomorrow maybe I'll get to check that out. 
And maybe by next week, I'll have something you know to kind of report back to you guys because I really want to play it. It's a remedy uh, game. Remedy at least went the campaign, and they don't make bad games. So I, I find it hard to believe that Remedy made a bad one out of the blue. So, but we'll we'll see. Right now, all signs point towards that game is absolute hot garbage. So, if you head on over to TrueAchievements.com, do the exact same thing. Set up a little profile, link it with your Xbox, your platform, whatever uh, version of Microsoft you use. Uh, we do the same thing. We we keep the achievements flowing, the achievements rolling. And I actually have a write-in f- uh, from one of the listeners about that. I'm styling on you, bro. Writes in to the podcast just like you can. Uh, and he asks... Uh, when doing the leaderboards, why do you always call gamer score achievement points? Um, so back in the day when the Xbox achievements launched, that's what everybody called them. You had achievement points, the points accumulated based on the achievements you unlocked that then total your gamer score. So maybe that's not right. I don't know, but I've been doing this achievement thing since 2006 and uh, you're the first person who's ever called me on it. So if that is not correct, you guys let me know. Sort, uh, I guess, source me, cite me, show me where, um, well, I guess, what is the proper terminology? Is there a Xbox dictionary out there? Uh, like an urban dictionary, but for Xbox. I don't know. So we call it gamer score. I don't, I don't ever call it gamer score. Like my, I, when I refer to gamer score, it's the total. What is my score as a gamer? 135,000 something, I believe. I don't even know. I'm so far removed from it because I don't pop achievements that often that I don't even know what it is. Uh, 113,646 points, according to True Trophies, True Achievements. So actually, I have two profiles out there. I have another one. Um, and I've got like another 10K, or no, yeah, another 10K somewhere floating around that I lost, that I got locked out of a out of a profile. So uh, as far as the true achievements leaderboards go, Mr. Sony Pony to you with 6,000 achievement points. Good God, man, is straight smashing, killing it. Uh, second place is, I don't know if it's Sadak or Sadak or Sadak, uh, but 2,800 and 70 achievement points or gamer score. Um, third place, T-Bird, El Presidente, the T-Bird, with 1,000 even, playing some Firewatch. Good job, brother. In fourth place, I'm styling on your bro with 365 uh, gamer score or achievement points. And in fifth place, the Bearded Nerd with 305, playing a little bit of Halo Infinite. You and like four other people. So good job. So that is it. That's all we got for the leaderboards. That's all we got for the community write-ins. I actually, the rest of them you'll hear later in the, in the interview section of the show. Uh, but I do want to read out the backlog beatdown. We got the spreadsheet fixed. I was actually, I spoke uh, incorrect the last time. My bad, guys. Um, James McCall, your score was right. It was good. So... Uh, right now, we have CJ in first place with 33 points. Resident Daryl tied for second with Diego for 25 points. Gareth Davis coming in strong at 24 points. Uh, JT at 17. Joseph Priestley and Redbeard Rick tied at 16 points. 
Um, we got uh, old Alex from Trivia Horrors, the Sonosaurus Rex himself, coming in high with nine points. He's tied with Corey with for nine. We got I'm Stone on your bro, Noah the Builder, and the Bearded Nerd all at eight points apiece. This is very interesting, guys. We got a lot of people competing for spots on here. We got Jared and Tricky with seven. Jared, I believe you might have more points than that, actually. Mm, I'm gonna have to double check on that one. Jared, you might have eight. I, I don't remember. Actually, I updated all of this before, but I know I had written down to double check one of yours because the total platinum time comes in, I think, less than five hours, but I'll have to double check. If you're hearing this, uh, feel free to shoot me a message. I know you will. Uh, next up, we got Homer Get Stuff and I Yield to No One. The Brothers of Destruction are tied at six. MZ Nitro with five. James McCall with three. T-Bird with Three. Uh, I don't think T-Bird claimed Firewatch. I don't know if you finished it yet. Uh, you maybe you maybe you did. Um, yeah, we got uh, we got T-Bird at three, uh, Jim at two, James the Nerd at two. We got Game Squat at two, Kali with two, um, the Franchise Killer Levi at two, and Spider Packs with two. Unfortunately, Spider Packs know the builder. They've been playing a whole lot of Dead by Daylight. They have not been putting in some time on other games. I know all that's going to change soon for us because we're going to be playing some Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, we are, or excuse me, not Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I am personally holding off on starting that game until I pass my MLO course. Uh, can't be you know, bullcrapping around. I'll play a little bit here and there with the kids, but I'm even going to take a break from Dying Light. I've got less, I got 20-ish days until test time. So, with that being said, guys, gals, lady guy, gals, um, we are going to cut out of here and cut into the interview. Uh, if you, This is going to be an off week. So, if this is your first time ever listening to the show, thank you so much for doing that. It's a general gaming podcast. We talk video games. We talk comic books. We talk all kinds of junk. We talk junk. We, we have a good time. Normally, we have a whole uh, host of people here, and it's a blast. Uh, if you like what you hear, you've been listening for a while, check out the Patreon. Big shout out to all of our new patrons. We have, uh, we've, you know, we've added, so it ebbs and flows. Uh, we've added some new patrons. Uh, thank you so much for all you guys for coming on and, you know, investing in us and, and, and joining us in this podcast journey. We're having a blast. It's a really good time. But yeah, so uh, updates coming, you know, this next wave of Patreon content on the games that have been beaten, the games that I've been challenged to. So we are definitely, uh, you know, very appreciative of all you guys, and we are very excited to continue to do this. And uh, definitely for every single person that, you know, invests in the Loot Bros, you know, we're going to keep doing it. going to keep knocking this stuff out, giving you the best of what we got and bringing on some great guests. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening, for writing in. And we have a great guest, Josh Niels from Cutthroat Comics. I had a blast talking with him. So here's that interview now. Next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and with me this week, I have a very special guest. I've been talking about this for several weeks leading up to this point. Uh, we have another comic book creator on with us tonight. Um, I hope I'm introducing you correctly, Josh. You are the founder and, I would imagine, editor-in-chief of Cutthroat Comics? Uh, yeah, pre- I'm pretty much everything for Cutthroat Comics. So you could have said janitor, and I'm, I'm also okay, the janitor. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, well, hang on. Let me restart that. All right, everybody, I have the janitor for Cutthroat Comics on the show with us. So, uh, Josh Nealis, how are you doing, brother? Ah, pretty good. I can't complain, I guess. Well, I am extremely excited to have you on tonight. Um, the kind of the way the show is going to go, uh, this will be added towards the end of our normal run of the show. We got to give our listeners, you know, all their, all the little uh, community things that we do. We do leaderboards. We do, um, various, you know, uh, events throughout the year. You know what I'm saying? Playing games and doing things with our community. So this will go towards the end of the show. So they've already heard the intro, the rigmarole, all that stuff. Um, uh, but to give a little bit of background on kind of how you and I got hooked up to do this tonight, uh, my good friend and friend of the show, uh, Justin Cooper, uh, you were on his uh, Epic Tales of the Sewers podcast. And uh, that's his Ninja Turtle podcast for those of you guys who may not have listened to it. Uh, Justin's been on the show. I've been on some of his shows before. Uh, and he reached out and was like, I think he actually screen grabbed something that you had posted online saying that you were um, looking to do some shows. You got some things to promote, things to talk about. And uh, anytime I get the opportunity to talk to a comic book creator, writer, um, you know, artist, pencil or inker, whatever. I'm going to do everything I can to have you on. So what I want to do, Josh, is give you a minute to you know, tell our listeners kind of who you are, what you're about, uh, what you got going on, anything important you think they might need to know about you. Uh, well, I'm a recovering porn addict. And uh, actually, that's not true. I'm not recovering <laughs> at all. Um, <clears throat> but no, yeah, I'm founder, CEO. Editor-in-Chief of Cutthroat Comics, based out of Finley, Ohio. Uh, since 2015, we've been going. Um, I, I'm trying to remember how many books and comics I've even pumped out. So it's somewhere, it's like 20 or something like that, oh, wow. between uh, books and comics. Uh, my new novel just came out on Valentine's Day called Cocaine Stripper Stronghold. Uh, we've got a Kickstarter going right now for... Uh, Tales of Shock and Terror, which is, I think it's last I checked, it was 150% funded already yeah. in just a couple days. Yeah. Uh, and then on March 4th, um, my personal book, uh, Turkey Sharks Number Two, is hitting Kickstarter. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on right now. This is as busy as we've ever been. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, I've had the pleasure of reading a couple of your books, right? Oh, excuse me, your comic books. When I say books, I mean comic books. All right. So, um, you know, I kind of want to get into all of that, but I, I, I kind of I want to back it up a little bit. And I've got a handful of uh, questions that our listeners have written in. Um, and one uh, of the of the write-ins actually came from a previous guest. So we had um, uh, uh, Jay Bartlett, the, the guy who did the Nintendo Quest documentary. He's done Action Hero Adventure or action, excuse me, action figure adventure documentary. He does a uh, like an action figure YouTube show and things like that. And and oh, so awesome. what I've been doing is. Since I'm having so many different guests on the show, uh, I've been at the end of the interview with them. I'm asking them a question like, hey, what kind of question would you want to leave for the next uh, interview? You know, sometimes it's going to be comic book creators. Sometimes it's going to be podcasters. Sometimes it's going to be YouTubers. We've had all kinds of guys on the show. 
And, uh, and, and so Jay actually left a question that uh, I would normally want to end our talk with. Uh, but since it was such a good question, I think it's a really good kind of like get to know you question. So I'm going to open up with, uh, with, uh, something that Jay had asked. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he asked, uh, what inspired you to pick up your pen or your pencil in the first place? That's a loaded question. Kind of, um, there you go. It's uh, I was in a band for a while and that ended and then I did a movie review uh, website and that just wasn't uh, fulfilling my appetite for creating. And I'd always wanted to write a book and uh, anytime in school and stuff like where there was like a book report or write a paper on this or that, I always actually got good grades on those kind of things typically. So I thought I had a knack for it. And uh Honestly, just as soon as the I like opened the vault doors in my brain about like writing books and comics and stories, it's just it's been never ending. Like I've I've not run out of ideas in uh, seven years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's freaking dope. Yeah. So yeah, there's a couple things that you mentioned uh, that I want to dig into. Um, obviously, I want to as a musician and someone in a band, I would like to talk to you um, in great detail about that. But before I derail us completely, you said you've done like 20 pieces of work essentially between comics and, and, and novels and things like that. And I've listened to interviews with you, with you before. So I don't want to like retread too much old ground, but like, right. You know, I, you said you've done like kids books and things like that. Yeah, I do. I mean, I own the company, so I do whatever the hell I want, basically like whatever idea I have, it's green light. <laughs> like nobody's going to tell me not to do it. So that's, that's what I do. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've written two kids books. I'm going to do a third, a third one in in that series. It's the Judy series. Uh, it was Judy and her blue cape, and then uh, Judy and her big stupid bully, and then maybe sometime this year, maybe early next year, it's going to be Judy and her irrational fears. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Now, are these available on like Kindle and places like that, or do you have to order strictly through your website? Mm, I prefer if people order directly from me because all those places take a cut. Um, I'm honestly, I couldn't even tell you exactly where all my stuff is available. Cause like the, the company I do, uh, printing through for the, the real books, like the paperbacks, like yeah. they set it up and they put it all over the place. So it's like, if you don't want to get it for me and you like Scribd or Amazon or any of that, just Google it or look on those sites. That's interesting. So whenever you set up a deal, I mean, obviously, you know, Cutthroat publishes, you know, comics. So you don't just do your own work. You're working with, uh, um, you know, you had just mentioned Tales from, was it, is it Tales from? Tales of Shock and Terror. Tales of Shock and Terror. I don't know yeah. when this is going to go out, but it's it's on right now on Kickstarter. Got you. And that's uh, the Justin Bustle is his name? Just, yes. Yeah, Justin, Ron Perti, uh, Drew Moreland did all the art, uh, <clears throat> Chuck Daniel. Um, it's, it's like a little, uh, horror anthology. It's pretty cool. It's interesting. It's all hand drawn. So it's, it's not your typical, uh, you know, clean cut comic book. It's gritty and it's, it's cool looking. It came out really neat. That's awesome. Yeah, actually, um, I think you got him hooked up with Justin, if I'm remembering correctly. So he's going to be on the show here in I think two weeks. Oh, nice. Uh, Two to three weeks to to kind of pimp his book and thing like things like that out. So it's really cool. Me personally, as a consumer of these things and a fan of comics, a fan of indie comics, um, I love getting a hold of you guys to talk. You know, and like, oh man, I'm really, I'm personally jazzed and excited 
you know, about what you guys have going on. And I've had, like I said, I've had the pleasure of reading some of your stuff. Um, so I kind of want to dig into that if you don't mind retreading some old ground for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not super famous, so all of my stuff is new stuff, you know, <laughs> technically to, to most people. So, so, um, we're going to start with stingray. So I've read stingray, uh, ginger avenger, um, is, it's Petoman. Pedal man and kid friendly yeah. and kid friendly. And, and then they all kind of culminate into the Turkey sharks. Um, right. Correct. So this would kind of be the cutthroat, um, cinematic universe, essentially. That's kind of what I'm going for. I'm emulating that a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to do exactly what they did, but I like when things kind of cross over and you get Easter eggs. It's, I mean, it's oh, world building is what it is. So absolutely. So, uh, so <laughs> can you explain Pedo Man to me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, and and I get so many funny looks at Comic Cons and stuff about that one, and, and some people absolutely love it. Uh, other people give me sneers, but it, it's funny. It's it's like a Mel Brooks thing. Um, one day at work, like at my day job, I was like thinking about how like the ambiguously gay duo and how it's how people kind of rip on Batman about always having like a little little sidekick and stuff. And I was like, what if, what if he was like weird about that? You know? And, uh, it, it's, it's very mild compared to the original idea. I've dumbed it down and made it real stupid and very slapstick and, and silly. So there's, there's no, you know, gross stuff in it. It's actually right. probably one of the more timid things I make. Cause it's just dumb, but, uh, it's just a big goof. And I, I love writing that series. I'm not sure if I'm going to, because we did uh, issue one through three of all all those characters, and I, I'm not sure. I think it's just going to be turkey sharks from now on, and they're all in that book. So it was pretty funny because uh, I was I was reading through it, and I could you know I I was totally getting the uh, the slapstick vibe off of it, like um, and the the parody essentially that he kind of right. Uh, I guess the the parody of the universe, and uh, I don't remember if it was in Turkey Sharks or if it was in one of the other books where the guys were all kind of mean up for the first time. He's like, "We need a team name." He's like, "How about the X Men?" Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, "No, wait, there's already an X Men." Yeah, that actually, I want to say that went through. That was a running gag in like I want to say like two or three comics. That, like, that makes back sense. To back to back, he just kept throwing out Mighty Ducks and yes, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even remember what all he said, but I was just like thinking of the Thundercats. I think is one of them. So yeah, that was that was fun. That was fun to write. Yeah, it's very cool, man. I, I, so as like I said, I, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the books. Oh, um, I appreciate that. You know, and I, I, I you, you know, I was. Thankful you sent us over kind of review copies to check out. So uh, myself and the other host, unfortunately, they couldn't be here with us tonight, but we've uh, been kind of shooting some things back and forth. And so, so far, we're really digging what you're doing. And I, I'm digging the humor because even even the uh, the the seer, the the seti, seti, that's what it's called. Seti. Yeah, yeah the seti. You're um, you're uh, you know, uh, your enemies, you know, what I'm saying your alien invaders or whatever, just the, yeah. the, the very slapstick, you know. Um, nature of kind of like the conversation going around how they talk to each other how people kind of talk about them it's been a, yeah, it's it's a very, very very enjoyable read very tongue-in-cheek a lot very of it. much <laughs> so that's pretty dope so i thought it was pretty cool um and they, they, like i said the pedo man and kid friendly thing <laughs> at first glance i was like what is this <laughs> so, so I'm, I read, I'm, uh, I'm really good at naming things uh, from from <laughs> what it seems so i mean all my books have just weird names and you know stingray is like the most normal one 
I mean, you know, when you get Ginger Avenger and yeah, Dust Worlds and Porcelain Angels, you'd be surprised. Uh, Hellscape is is my last novel before Cocaine Stripper Stronghold. I mean, it's just <laughs> they're eye catching. I think. Well, it definitely it definitely stood out, and the Ginger Avenger actually the Ginger Avenger is a really good book. Like oh, that's, thank a, you. that's a really good series. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's actually one of the more serious ones. I get yep, out I of the. I wanted to go serious with that one. So Stingray is very violent. Uh, Ginger Avenger was like my serious take on a comic, and then of course Pedal Man Kid Friendly is just ridiculous. Yeah. So very cool, very cool. I, I love. I actually also love. And for the listeners, if you get a chance to read these, this is really cool. The uh, origin of the turkey uh, shark name and kind of how that all came about um, with the uh, the doctor that was kind of like splicing the the genes together. I was like, oh, I came up with this thing. It's a turkey shark. And then they're like, oh, we need a name for the turkey sharks. I thought that yeah. was a uh, very cool, very cool the way that worked out. I'm glad you caught that. I, yeah, you know, I write these things, and I, you know, I hear back from people from time to time, but not not all that often. I'm always wondering, like, what are people even going to catch? You know, this joke or this, you know, this setup. You know. Oh yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing is, as a fan of these things, and I, I sat there and I read each character's book, and then read Turkey Sharks last, and not uh, not knowing that that was all culmination of it all, but like the way it all paid off for me. And then to see that, I was like, oh, that was really good. And I also noticed the little Easter eggs from book to book. Like you'd see, um, you know, like a picture or something of someone from another book. I think there's actually pictures of Pedo Man on newspapers and magazines and stuff yep. in the other books as well. So, yeah, actually, I, I set it up. I want to say it's page two from Stingray, which was the first comic I did, Stingray number one. And if you look on the couch, is a Pedo Man. Uh, doll a plush doll yeah 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 so I, you That's know i've been setting that up forever i dig it i dig it so okay cool so um now obviously you said you're doing uh cocaine strippers that is a novel that you're doing yeah it's out out right now uh cocaine stripper stronghold <laughs> it's uh it's ridiculous it's gross it's i would i would say it's probably nc17 uh basically a group of zombies and a biker game gang both decide to attack a brothel because uh the zombies are businessmen they're like a group of zombie businessmen <laughs> and what do businessmen and biker gangs love the most they love strippers and they love cocaine there you go so now is this in the same universe as the comic book stuff or is your novel universe a little different uh, um it's uh I'm going to say yes. Like all my stuff more or less takes place in the same universe. Um, There are a few nods here and there in in my books to this or that. Um, I think in Hellscape and then also in uh, Cocaine Stripper Stronghold, I think I mentioned the City of Heroes, which is Brothel City. Um, Hellscape takes place like 400 years from now. And I think Cocaine Stripper Stronghold is like 150, 200 years from now. Okay. And uh, even even stuff squirrels and porcelain angels takes place in Brothel City. There's like mention of a couple landmarks and stuff to point that out. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool deal. Now is Brothel City supposed to be taken serious as like an actual place or is this also a parody of a of a city? Uh I mean kind of both. It's uh the joke is that it's called Brothel City because uh there's a big soup plant there where they make broth. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, 
Yeah, even like Judy and her blue cape in, in the first uh, Judy book, she goes across the street to a park and it's called Martha Armstrong Park, which if you read Pedal Man and Kid Friendly, she's in that. The okay. Center. So there yeah, all, all my stuff is tied together. See, now the reason why I'm asking these questions, right? I guess for the listeners, it's like these are a lot of short, easy answer questions, but it, it really does show and paint the big picture of what you're doing here because – Again, like just from I haven't read, you know, all of your stuff. I haven't read your novels yet, but it's extremely interesting to me to see that, like, you know, you're sitting back. This is my 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 view of what you're doing. You're sitting back. Oh, man, this is gonna be awesome. Oh, man, it's gonna be cool. No one's probably even going to notice this, but I think it's awesome. And uh, I do. I do actually agree. I think that's really cool that you tie it all all together. And like an MCU, you know, I think that's just very, very cool. It always. It's almost like a, a bit of a reward for the reader or the consumer. It's like, oh, you consumed this thing that we did. And now here's a little nod, a little thank you, a little, oh, man, that's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, that it's almost like it, I don't want to say it's like it's a meta, but it's like, it's similar how to like trophies and achievements work in video games. It's like they, they all kind of um, add to this arbitrary, I guess, overall experience. It's like, I played this game because I enjoyed it. I played this game because I enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, on my profile, I have this, you know, all this one area where everything kind of culminates. And it's like, I have enjoyed all of this stuff. It's very cool. So, yeah, the way I see it is, you know, there's, will my stuff ever blow up and people will love it? I mean, I hope so. Who knows? Could be after I die. And that's kind of what, what my thinking is going into everything. Like Edgar Allan Poe, for instance, you know, his stuff didn't really blow up until after he died. And I just think it's funny to me to think about, you know, 200 years from now, they're teaching my stuff in school. And then they're like, <laughs> they're like, and did you notice that one line where he mentions this or that? And he's talking about this comic book, you know, that he wrote also. I don't know. It's just. I'm it's thinking, awesome. It's thinking awesome. way ahead. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, if they're teaching, you know, about turkey sharks in school, then we might have bigger problems. And then just uh, then team up heroes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Cool, it's like turkey sharks were actually first discovered in the Cutthroat Comics publishing of this book. So, all right. So, you know, you do a bunch of writing. You know what I'm saying? You're a very diverse writer. Okay. You've got your own, uh, your own, I guess let's say, let's back it up. You have all these ideas. How do you go about starting Cutthroat Comics? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had the ideas. I think I started Stuffed Squirrels and Porcelain Angels first. And then, then I was actually going to do Pedal Man and Kid Friendly as the first comic. But I was like, well, let's start with Stingray <laughs> before I just straight up offend everybody. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was like, I'm never going to get published. I was like, and I was watching some YouTube videos and stuff. And I was like, why don't I just start my own company? So that's what I did. I mean, it got my LLC. and got it going so, so uh, i guess i answered my next qu next question was what was it always your plan or did you actually attempt to become published somewhere else and that just you know was a dead end no you know didn't even try didn't okay. even i was like there's no way anybody's gonna even listen you know and because i think from being in my band uh until forever we were we were together for uh, like six years or something like that and we had a lot of success, you know, I, I think compared to the vast majority of bands, but you just kind of learn, you know, people, people want to jump on at the top of the roller coaster. They don't want to jump on at the bottom of the hill when you're going up. So 
And so I was like, well, I'm going to just build this from the ground up. And hopefully one of these, one of these days people will jump on and ride with me. There you go. Well, that segues right into where I wanted us to go anyways. So you said your band until forever. What did you play in that band? Uh, I was the drummer and the manager. Okay. So you had to be band mom. Yep. Yep. It was fun. I mean, we had a lot of good times, but uh, we were doing some tours and stuff and I just got kind of burnt out more or less. I just realized that it wasn't quite for me. I dig that. I dig that. So I, I'm in a band as well. Um, <clears throat> we haven't played live in old several years. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. We, I guess we were the most active between 2006 and 2013. And then everyone's having kids. We kind of died down or whatever. And then in 2019, we're like, Hey guys, you know, we wrote all these songs and we put out all these EPs and all this trash, but we never sat down and, and really did a full length album that was like, produced well and blah, blah 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 and so that's been our goal and here we are 2022 still working on this album um just just it's it's like it's the most never-ending thing so how many releases did you guys put out with your band uh we did three eps and our last one was produced by uh spider studios in cleveland i don't know if you ever heard of them but they're the guys behind chimera basically and a bunch oh, yeah. of other bands too but uh, they they did all their albums. I don't I don't know if they're still a thing or not. I assume they probably are. I mean, really nice guys. But you know, our our stuff was. I think we were good. Like I listened to even our first few songs, and I was like, "This is actually I can hear the potential there." And then, of course, when I hear <clears throat> the stuff we did with uh, the guys at Spider Studio, I mean, it sounds perfect, just like something you would hear on Sirius XM and all that kind of stuff. Heck yeah. So um, when you, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the, of Kamira. Like I, that was actually the first show my wife and I ever went and saw together. Oh, really? Oh, dude, they were on like a Roadrunner tour and okay. it was, um, <clears throat> God, I feel like it was Lamb of God, Kamira, <sighs> Hotwire, 36 Crazy Fists. Um, nice. <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh. It was so freaking good. I want to yeah. s- I get, I get confused because some of these nights um, that was like big tours that went through, like Headstrong and Atreyu was on one of the bills, but right. I don't remember if that was the same night. But but either way, Kamira was like, you know, that was one of the heaviest freaking you know bands at the time, you know, and that that oh dude, they were so freaking good, and they were one of the first bands that like incorporated um like not so much like the dubstep sound, but like they had their keyboard guy, their sample guy, and he was playing these like like wild sound effects, almost like saws and drills and stuff going on. But right. it wasn't like to like an EDM tone. It was just like, here's a huge bass drop and like a table saw while we're playing these crazy guitar riffs. So I freaking love those dudes. Yeah. We, well, yeah, I think they're broken up now. We, we yeah. played with them one time up in, uh, up in Cleveland where I think they're from Cleveland. Yep. Um, at a place called Peabody's, which I think is no longer there. And uh, we ended up, there was two stages and we ended up opening directly in front of them uh, on the smaller stage, but still it was pretty cool that we were like the first band right before them. And we, we played, played with a lot of big bands and stuff, straight line stitch, OTEP. I wrestled a bear once. Uh, I can't, I honestly can't even remember a lot of them. Now um, is until forever. Are they on Spotify or anything like that? Uh, maybe not to my knowledge, but maybe, I don't think so. I don't know that Spotify was even around because this has been 10 years now that we've, we've been, been done. Right. 
we were on Reverb Nation, and uh, we actually were ahead of Deftones on their like USA charts for a minute. It was Isn't that really, wild? yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> How are we more popular than Deftones for like, on this <laughs> website? But Dude, I was like, cool. I- so we we opened for a ton of bands too. We played, I think we played somewhere in the vein of three hundred plus shows um in that six years. Yeah. Uh, did a couple we never did any like real tours because we all had full time jobs. So we were weekend warriors. We do like a, what we did. We do like a Thursday night local, Friday, Saturday, Sunday across you know, up and down the coast, Monday night local, you know, just some, kind of whatever we could work in and fill in. We would have some of the guys grab the gear, drive across town, you know, drive a couple hours down the road, me and uh, who was the drummer at the time? He's the vocalist now. We would jump in, you know, we'd work all day, and then we'd jump in the one of the vehicles and meet everybody out there. There were days where, like, our gear's on stage, they're doing sound check. We pull up at the venue and just like, boom, straight to the stage, play, break down, head back home. So uh, it was, uh, it was fun, man. I miss it. You know, I don't, I couldn't imagine being on the road now with freaking kids and stuff. But like, yeah. but uh, it was, uh, it was a blast. What, what, what kind of time frame were y'all out? You know. And you said 10 years ago, but like, when did you guys kind of start? Oh, man. 2008, 2009, something like that. And then, yeah, we, I mean, we, we kept changing out basses. That was like our Achilles heel. Same here. It's just, it, we had like five basses over the course of whatever, six years or whatever it was. And we ended up, I don't know how I managed it, but we got signed before we ever even stepped on a stage. Um a friend of mine had been in a band, actually a couple friends of mine had been in a band. They were a Jaeger band and stuff. So I kind of was around them a lot. I watched how they did things and, and what they were bad at. And then, so when I took over managing my own band, you know, I did things the right way. Uh, we signed with, uh, it was called Dirtbag Records. And then they sold the Warner Brothers uh, mm-hmm. like a year later. So we were jazzed. We were like, holy shit, like we're on Warner Brothers now. Like, here we go. You know, the like I said earlier, the roller coaster is about to take off. And I want to say like three months later, we got an email from Warner Brothers or, or somebody, I don't even remember who it was. They were like, hey, just let you know, uh, we're dropping all the bands except one. <laughs> so we were like, shit. And that, that band they kept was uh oh, seasons after, I think is who it was. You ever heard of them? They were I'm pretty not cool. familiar with them. Yeah, they got a couple good songs. Uh, they did that one, that song from Lost Boys, or not Lost Boys? Yeah, Lost Boys, the vampire movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, a great song. Did, yeah, they did that song, a, a metal version. It was pretty cool. Um, we never played with them, but a bunch of the bands from Dirtbag Records, we did like a small tour with. So that, that was pretty cool. Man, we uh, we got offers from small labels, um, but it was kind of one of those things where we were foolishly going. We were like, let's hang out for something bigger. Uh, and you know, in 2006, the gatekeepers were so strong, man. The gate, I say 2006, 2012, to get your music on any kind of like major platform, you either had to buy into something ridiculous, you know, or you had to sign your life away with some of these small labels that were just basically leeches. Yep. So yep, we got, we got a lot of those offers after, after the Warner Brothers thing ended. I, I want to say we had, I mean, a few dozen offers over the, course of years we had dmx's old manager was trying to sign us and stuff like that was weird <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember the dude's name but i checked it out i was like oh, for sure is dmx's old manager but that was weird <laughs> so we got per, we got propositioned by uh viking records 
and Viking Records had like this really tiny footprint in like the southeast. And it was like, dude, I got this publishing deal with Metal Blade. You know, you guys really want to sign with us, blah, blah, blah. We can buy on to all these tours and all this stuff. And this was kind of towards the end of the run for us. We're like, man, we have just been kind of like worn down with these small guys trying to take 50% of whatever it is we're going to make, which wasn't much, you know, back in freaking 2009 to 2012, we were losing money. We weren't mm-hmm. making money. And um, <clears throat> once that recession hit, dude, it was like, it was, it was, it was hard. It was so hard to get paid anywhere. And uh, <laughs> this dude, he's like, man, I got this metal blade deal, blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, he was, I don't know. He had a couple like, like bands of note kind of on his deal. And it was like, I don't remember. I, I right there towards the, I ended up having to step out. So I, like you were talking about being the band manager. I did all that stuff too. So I would play guitar and when we went through bass players like crazy, but we actually, we actually went through a couple of vocalists as well, which is kind of like, um, you know how this is in music that can make or break you. Mm-hmm. Um, our first vocalist, he was a great dude. And, um, our first EP we put out was like all scratch tracks because like we, we paid for, for all the studio time and we go in and we kind of lay our base, you know, our baseline down. He uh, we we did everything live, which you know it was my first studio experience. I didn't know that was a good way or bad way to do things. That's what we did for our first one. Yeah, and it was um like listening back now, it's like peel, I want to peel my skin off. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. But at the time, yeah. I was so jazzed to be like, we're in a legit studio. This is amazing. And the dude sat there, did live vocals with us, everything, and you know we did a little bit of mixing and all this stuff, and we took it home, listened to it, whatever. And then he quit. He was like, man, I'm sorry, guys. I'm actually moving across the country, moving to Arizona, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I can't believe we just did all this. And you had said nothing. Yeah. Artists artists in general. I mean, whether it's, you know, musicians or writers or, you know, drawing artists or or whatever. They're a weird bunch of people. I can tell you that. And it's hard. You'll get the ones, you know, that are just super creative like you know i've heard some there's guitarists that i know that it's like you're like one of the best guitarists i've ever met in my life and they do nothing with it because they don't have the discipline to go to practice on time and show up on time and you know not get drunk at the show and all that i mean it's uh yeah you know and that goes for writers too it's it's you you have to be a business person and an artist and that's a really tough thing to be I'm going to lump podcasters in that too, because that's been, uh, <laughs> that's been an, I've found that a lot of people want to be a part of anything, any kind of creative outlet, yep. but it's very hard to, to wrangle them down and, and get them, you know? Yep. It is. You have to do it. If, if you're going to do it, you have to do it because if you're not going to do it right, then you're wasting your time and anybody that may listen to you or read you or whatever, you're wasting their time too, I think. I kind of look at it in a way I've been trying to make this point for a while and and explain it. I don't know if I can explain it well, but the people that have bought my books and comics and supported me, I almost want to keep pushing forward because I don't want to let them down because they've invested their time and their money in me. And now I feel like it's my responsibility to do right by them. If that makes sense. Oh dude, true words were never spoken. That's how I feel with this podcast. You know, we've had, we've, we've turned over some hosts 
you know, it's a matter it's our, actually our podcast started as like in the remnants of our band, you know, it was like, we, we spent six and a half ish, almost seven years, you know, touring, playing shows, you know, writing music, whatever. And then when it, when it, you know, you know, I started having kids started becoming a lot of strain on the marriages and things like that. So we sat back, we were sitting at, a lot of us work together as well. So we're like, man, we got all this gear, all this crap. And what are we going to do? We all listen to podcasts. We love making, you know, dick and fart jokes and stuff like that. It's like, dude, let's get all the mics and stuff together. Let's do a show. And that's how our show started. We started off, we got picked up by a, uh, like a gaming uh, website, a couple episodes in. And we did that for a little while, stream for the website, you know, did reviews for the website, whatever. And then we decided to break off and kind of do our own thing and just bloop, 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 one by one, man. Just in, once, once we started having to really focus and do all the work ourselves, we started to, you start to lose people, um, you know, and, and over, over time, you know, interests change people's, you know, drive and, and ambition for things change. But right. man, I'm telling you, you, the people who have invested in the show, the people who've been listening to us through all the changes, through the host changes, the people who have invested in our Patreon, we don't have a huge Patreon, but we have got some loyal people who have, you know, and so I feel the same way as a content creator, a musician, whatever. If it's one person, and I've been put to the test on this before, if it's one person, I feel like it's my job, it's my obligation to give you everything I got and try to put out the best of whatever it is. Right. That's all you can do. And yeah, like you said, I mean, feelings change and stuff like that. Like, like when I was in the band, you know, I went hard in the paint for six years in that. And, you know, I had started going to college and stuff and, and I was about to start a family and all that. And, you know, it just, it changed. And, uh, luckily we're all still friends. I still talk to, uh, all those guys, you know, fairly regularly. So, that's good. I mean, that's, that's really cool. The singer is one of my best friends still. And, uh, our, our main guitarist lives in, uh, uh, Pittsburgh doing the same type of job I do like during the day. And then the other guitarist who's immensely talented, he's got some albums out. Uh, his name is Corey Sedam, C-O-R-Y-S-U-Y-D-A-M. If you like, like instrumental, like stuff to get high to and just like veg out, like his, his like music is amazing. The dude's super talented. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, well, um, I, I, well, since we're on the music, I want to stay here for just a little bit longer, and then I'll, we'll get back to you know other things. But what are some of the biggest you know shows or festivals you guys played? Um, we did like Toledo Music Festival one year, and that that was pretty cool. We actually, for whatever reason, uh, the Breakers popped a couple times while we were playing. That was kind of funny. We we pretended like we were so much metal that the Breakers. Um, probably our best show. Um, we played with this band and I think one of the guys was on that Ozzy Osbourne, like making the band show or something like, I forget what it was. Uh, burn halo was the name of the band. Um, and we played with them in Bostoria, Ohio, which isn't that far from here of all places. And, uh, there's, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like there's videos up of it uh, on our YouTube thing or whatever, but uh, that was probably our best show, and that was towards the end too, where we really were like finding our our groove and getting our feet under us and being good performers and everything. So that was one I remember only because there are videos and I can go back and watch it. Hey, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. Um, 
What's some of the, what's one of the wildest things that ever happened to you guys at a show? Oh, at a show, uh, not too many crazy things at a show. We had a tour bus. Uh, it was a short bus that we bought and we decked it out. We painted it black and tinted the windows. We had couches and shit in it. It was awesome. And uh, we were going to this show in Louisville, Ohio. I think is where it was at. It was like a Pantera tribute or not a tribute but a, a Dimebag Daryl tribute night or something like that and uh, we're crossing the highway I can't remember if I was driving or not and the bus died as we're crossing the highway and traffic's like coming at us and we're like dead in the water like right in the middle of the highway like Jeez. we would have got T-bone I mean that was that was pretty scary um, same bus I think we played a show up in Sandusky Ohio with the uh, Another touring band. I can't remember. I want to say their name was like Red out of like Tennessee or something like that. Uh, but the uh, another part under the bus went out that night too. And it was like January and the lake is like 10 feet away. So all the breeze from the lake is there. And we're under the bus trying to get this damn thing started, freezing our asses off. Uh, it broke down another time on the way back from Cleveland, probably one of the Peabody shows that we did. Uh, the the belt came off on the highway and the lights went out <laughs> like on Jeez. the highway. Uh, yeah, so we ended up getting rid of that bus. <laughs> it was <fun> <laughs> I do. I dig that. Yeah, we had a um, we had a bus that was renovated into like an RV, and our base pl- our first bass player. She her dad was actually the guy that got us uh, kind of hooked up with the studio we used. And we, at the time, we were just like a vocalist, two guitarists, and a and a drummer. And we had all kind of split off of different bands to form our band. And um, <clears throat> we had a couple songs written, I don't know, like five or six songs. We're like, let's go ahead and lay them down. And then one of us can just play the bass parts. So the dude's daughter walks in, and she's like bringing her dad lunch or whatever. And he's like, hey, Jen, why don't you go in there and play bass with these boys? And um, she was in a like a, a rock cover band. And uh, they were called, their name was Strong uh, Slow Decline, and so they would play all around, you know, bars, restaurants, whatever, playing all kinds of cover songs. And God Almighty, this this girl could sing, dude. And uh, I never, I mean, I knew she played guitar, but so we would play live the full song one time, and then she go, okay, I got it. And then we would all cl- click in, and she would play, you know, everything she just heard. Um few mistakes here and there but like it was near perfect i was like how are you yeah. so good you can hear something one time you know kind of watching us play it's and, cool, cool yeah, when that she, happens. yeah she was awesome but it was we were, we were fortunate because her dad had the rv and you know he had been he was a sound guy he was he was our sound guy but he he was like he would take bands all over the place you know run sound for them be the you know be the the the, the driver all that stuff and so it was really cool, dude. So we would we would travel these shows and stuff up and down the coast, and we like sh- we roll up in this giant bus, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, dude, who is this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, we're we're Ninja Loot from Columbia. We're we're a big deal, you know. We're not, <laughs> but we would show up looking like hot stuff, man. For a couple of years there, it was uh, it was awesome. We actually got kind of a little spoiled with that because we started off, um, a little big for our britches, I guess, um. <laughs> we well, got a lot of 
cool musicians being too big for the britches what are you talking about yeah well i don't th- i don't think any of us in particular and i'm gonna say this very biasly but i don't think any of, we were douchebags but like we definitely showing up with that you know that big dick energy of that bus and yeah. <laughs> and then it's like it kind of it, it even if you don't act out it, it kind of like sets a bit of a precedent and we were a metal band you know what i'm saying so like we weren't going and playing you know what i'm saying thousand you know thousand people shows right I mean, we'd be two three hundred people and we weren't making enough money to put gas in the bus the only reason we were able to do it is because the dude's daughter play, played with us she actually joined our band after <laughs> recording with us so we were we were pretty fortunate i mean we got to do some cool stuff like we got to um we got to open it for Flyleaf. okay so, and that was pretty good um we i don't know if you're familiar with the chariot mm, nope nope they're more of one of those uh, spastic hardcore bands. It seems like the they haven't been together in years. They broke up years ago. But it seems like the longer they're like split, the bigger they're getting. Like the the, the more people are like jonesing for them to get back together. Mm-hmm. It's one of the wildest things. We got to play with. T- we got to uh, open up for Pod um, in uh, Bushnell, Bushnell, Illinois, at a Cornerstone okay. Festival. Um, we got to play one of the side stages. You know, in between, it was um, the letter black for today. Um, Brian Welch, the dude from Corn, who had when he had left and started yeah. his uh, little solo project, like right before he started his band Love and Death. Um, <clears throat> so we got to play up there with them. It was pretty. It was pretty dope. Yeah, that's the only really the only thing I miss about being in a band is the actual playing on stage. I mean, and practices were pretty fun too, I guess. But and all that other work and all that i don't really miss that too much <laughs> I, I miss you know that feeling whenever you're in the room and you guys are riffing on something and it clicks you know oh, like yeah. oh everything came together and you had that like awe-inspiring moment of we're writing the song now this is good yeah um, i don't know how you guys wrote some bands are like there's like one guy who does everything and then you just learn your parts for us it was like i got a riff you got a beat we'll build the song around that. And we would spend hours and hours, you know, working on three minutes worth of music. And, and it was just, I missed that. I missed that, that, that clicking of something creative being, being made, you know? And then like traveling sucked. I don't even like traveling with my family, much less with a bunch of frigging dudes in a van that may or may not have air conditioning. And, um, yeah, I don't miss loading in, loading out. I don't miss dealing with friggin' uh, booking <laughs> bookers that may or may not show up. I don't miss, mm-hmm. you yep. know, I don't miss begging for Little Caesars and a hundred bucks. You know, like I don't miss any of that stuff. Nope, none of that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I, I miss I miss writing songs and all that kind of stuff. And what what sucks is like one of my best beats I've ever written. I have right now. I wrote it like a year ago, and I'll go out in the garage and play it on my drums. And I'm like, man, <laughs> that's such an awesome like. Be, it'd be awesome to put in a song, but yeah, it's uh, our writing was. I think I was one of the main writers. Obviously, as a drummer, I wrote all the drum parts, but I would write guitar parts too. I mean, I would just tell them like, "Hey, play this," and I would sing it or whatever. Um, yeah, mostly everybody kind of contributed to writing, though. Somebody'd come with a, a part, and we'd add this to it and that. And I think there was really only one song that me and the one guitarist Corey. I think him and I got together one day and just wrote an entire song and brought it. And it's actually my favorite song that we ever did. Uh, it's called deny your fear. I can't oh, remember. If it's on. Yeah. I can't remember if it's on 
<clears throat> YouTube or not. And it's probably, I think our reverb nation, if you go to our Facebook, I think you can find all the songs. They should be all free to download at last I knew. So that's cool. That's cool. Well, I, I'll kind of end the music talk because I'm sure our listeners now are like, Oh my gosh, we came here for video <laughs> games. You gave us comic books and music. What are you doing here? bro?" But, uh, but yeah, so I guess I got the final thing was, would, I, I think, I feel like whenever you and Justin were talking, you had mentioned you guys could potentially do some sort of reunion, even if it's just like studio music. Is that still like on the table or? Uh, we, we've talked about it several times and actually uh, pretty much my thing. And, and I've even been asked to be in bands and stuff. And my answer is always, yeah, I'm down, but I'm not doing anything. Like I'll show up and I'll play and that's all I'm doing. But I think people know what I did that band and I, I feel like that's part of the reason they want me and i'm just i'm not doing that anymore but as far as a reunion yeah i mean we we've, we've got people that want us to do it and we all want to do it it's just you know you know how people are <laughs> yep. oh dude i'm dealing with it right now because like yeah. our drummer he's in alaska at the moment <laughs> we were supposed to um he actually he does like audio and video for like big churches and like big facilities and stuff like that um he does installations on that crap and then he runs lights at local venues here so he's always busy and he used to tour with a little irish folk band um called seer s-y-r and and he just quit touring with them and so now he's like all right we're on this thing we're gonna finish this album we've got all these friggin' songs written but we just gotta he's got a really nice studio and is like he's got a split level home and the bottom level is like a studio and um so like you know, let's all get together, you know, and it's like one week, boom, someone's got COVID. And then, you know, you got to wait a month until the next time we're all able to hang. And then all oh, the other guys got COVID. Oh, wait, I just had COVID again. And then it's like, oh man, my kids are all sick, but it's always something, you know, with us. And, and it, we want to do at least one more show once the album is done, almost like a album release party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we want to bring in, you know, we'll probably hire some, some larger, you know, bands or whatever to have them or catch a tour that's coming through at the time. Maybe catch them on an off day or something. So it's not so expensive. Right. But, uh, we want to do at least one more, but dude, I just don't, I don't miss being on the road. I don't like you were talking about all the, the management stuff, you know what I'm saying? Dealing with all the freaking people that are trying to rip you off because that's, that's what it is. Everybody's trying to rip a band off. Mm-hmm. Well, there's plenty of times, you know, I'd walk up to a promoter and be like, yeah, you said you were giving us this or that for, for being here. And they're like, oh, well, we only made this at the door. It's like, well, I mean, that's not my, not problem, my problem necessarily. Yep. Like we drove fucking three hours to get out of here. <laughs> you told us you were going to pay us, you know, 200 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever it was, you know, yep. and you're like, then you're like, here's 25 bucks. It's like, <laughs> dude, oh my gosh. We drove three hours to play this skate park, right? The place was called Zimino's uh, skate park. And they would just drop a PA in the middle of a half pipe. Right. So we go to this place and we play and we put on, you know, a, a decent show. I think played our set It's 105 degrees in there, sweating our balls off. You got people all in the pit area, which is you know essentially standing in front of you. You got kids sitting all up and down the the half pipe. I mean, you probably got 150 people, you know, in there. Now, granted, most of them that were there to skate, but then there's a lot of them that paid just to come see the bands. We drive all the way out there. We're told we're going to get, you know, a hundred to two hundred dollars off the door, you know, whatever, and then whatever our merch is. 
So we bring the bus, you know, we're on like this little five day stretch. We're driving the bus. We order pizzas to get delivered to the bus, right? To, you know, they're like, all right, well, hey, you know, you got to hang out until the place closes. Then we'll cash out for the night. We'll give you your envelope with your money in it. Dude locks the door, right? Locks us outside. We're like, okay, you know, maybe whatever. <laughs> so like we're outside for like a half hour, 45 minutes. And we go knock on the door. Like, hey, man, like we're ready to go. Like this place has been shut down. It's 11, 12 o'clock at night, whatever. And he, they were like, would not open the door. <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, dude, this dude's going to freaking like he's inside. Like, and, and the thing is they would let like a handful of people came in. And apparently they were shooting like a music video or something there that night. So they had like a couple like pro skaters in there. And I, I'd say pro in quotations. I don't know if it was any notable people, but maybe professional from the, the area or whatever. This freaking dude, like, I mean, it, it got like obnoxious. And I'm like, we're messaging back and forth, you know, like, hey, what's going on? And the dude opens the door, hands us 40 bucks and then pulls the door shut and locks it. Yeah, like, sounds about get, right. An envelope with 40 bucks. And I'm like, this didn't pay for the food we ate, you know, much less the gas to get here. Three hours on a bus, man, during 2009 recession gas prices. That was freaking ridiculous. That's very so, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to I want to pivot. All right. So we just taught music. Obviously, we talked about how everyone's out there trying to rip you off. How does how, what kind of things? Are you experiencing in the comic, you know, publishing side of things? Is it is it as um, cutthroat, <laughs> no pun intended, or is it a little more laid back, a little easier to manage this kind of stuff? Um, I mean, when when I got into this, and I tried to do this with the band as well, but you know, I I started off saying like, I'm not here to make enemies. You know, if somebody wants to have drama, they can go have drama. I'm not getting into it at all. Um, and I think I've done pretty good about that. You know, there's, there's been some things where, you know, somebody will say to me, Oh, he said this or she said that. And I'm like, cool. I don't care. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting into that. I'm just here to make books and comics and, you know, I'll, I'll make friends all day, but I'm not making enemies. And, uh, you know, ultimately when you do anything, you're going to make enemies regardless of what you do. And I, I don't know that I have any specific enemies. I hope I don't. But, uh, yeah, I'm not playing those games with this. Like, if you don't like me, cool. If you do, that's awesome. You know, I'm just, I'm here to make books and comics and entertain people. And uh, hopefully one day do this as my real job, you know. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you have, like, some really cool title, a biomechanical engineer or something like that? Uh, yeah, biomedical engineer. It's, uh, it's not as cool as it sounds. It sounds fancy. It's, it's not. I, uh, I repair and calibrate medical equipment, which, I mean, it is a good job, but, uh, yeah, it's not, you know, I don't make like nuclear weapons or anything like that. I mean, it sounded cool when you said it. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I'd be walking around like, yeah, I'm a biomedical engineer. What's up? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good job. And if that's what I end up doing the rest of my life then so be it, I, I'd be okay with that. But I'm hoping to one day, you know, leave that and, and do the books and comics full time. How are the cons? Like whenever you set up shop and do, you know, do the cons, you get a good, uh, you get good feedback from the cons or are they kind of hit or miss? Uh, that's where I make most of my sales. Um, it is getting harder because cons are raising their prices, you know, to be a vendor and stuff. I was actually just talking to my friend about it earlier today, but you know, so I'm trying to pick and choose my cons wisely as best I can, you know, most bang for my buck, you know, between, uh, what they charge for a table and, 
and hotel stay and and how many people I think are going to be there. Even even as far as like celebrity guests, you know, are they more comic book people or is Aquaman going to be there? You know. Now, which ones kind of bring better traffic towards you, like a big name celebrity, like a Freddy Krueger? Or, you know, someone who's actual, like, if, like, uh, would a Jim Lee or a Jason Momoa bring more traffic to your table? Uh, to my table, probably the Jim Lee would probably do do that. Um, Momoa is going to bring more people into the place, of course. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of a, I think a lot of people would struggle with it. I'm a pretty good salesman, I think. I, I was a salesman, uh, a trained salesman for a number of years. So I know how to, uh, figure out what people like. And if I have anything on my table, point them in that direction. Uh, but it, it's, it's tough. It is, it's just being, being any type of artist and trying to have success with it is very, very difficult. Uh, the chances of success are extremely low and, and you really have to work every day at, at every part of it. And you have to practice your pitch as far as like, you know, let's say you walk up to my table and I find out that Stingray is the thing that you're probably into. I have to be able to sell that book and know everything about it and know what to say to you to get you to pick it up. You know, not to say that I'm here to just make money, but I'm trying to do this as a living. And that's kind of part of it. That's pretty dope. That's, that's pretty dope. Yeah. I go to some of the local cons around here and uh, I always try to give the indie guys a little bit of love. <clears throat> so uh, it's, uh, you know, I, and uh, some of that comes from being a musician and knowing that, you know, <laughs> most people don't know who you are right? Yeah, because you're not the, the big draw. You're not the big push. You're not like all, you don't have the marketing behind you. So and when, when my, I take my kids to a lot of the cons whenever we can, obviously COVID kind of effed up that for a little while, but you know, oh, yeah, they're gearing up to to rip out and have some cons around here again soon. So I'm hoping to get back into the swing of things, but man, I always try to swing by there and pay the Indies some love. Cause man, it's, I understand it, granted the, the media might not be the same, but it's definitely a, yeah, definitely try to give our, our local comic shop is, is pretty awesome about bringing independent artists in. And uh, I've got some guys I've had on the show before that have done some stuff over there. Um, we got some guys that set up and, and, and do art and sell their art and stuff. Um, some amazing comic book artists, local guys that had just have not quite gotten on something yet. God, dude, like some of these dudes are freaking amazing and uh, they'll set up and they'll sell their art at these places and I'll drive out and I'll go buy some books and, you know, just to talk to them. Hey man. So uh, definitely if you're listening, guys support your local artists, whether it be music, whether it be, you know, comic guys, anything like that. So I I try um, to tell people all the time, like throw on Netflix and look at some of the shows that are on there. I mean, a lot of that stuff is independent comic books, you know, that they've made into a show. And it's yep. like, if you're not buying the comics, shows like that don't get made. I mean, Lock and Key is, is an excellent example. That's one of my favorite shows right oh, now. Yeah. And there are dozens and dozens of other ones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's that's where it starts, you know, a lot. And you can look at movies and everything that they come from books and they come, you know, it's like, almost every movie seems to be based off a book or a comic or something. And if you don't buy the books or comics, then you're not going to get, you know, people always complain about uh, movies nowadays don't have any original ideas and all that stuff. It's like, well, you have to buy the books and comics and show that there's a fan base out there for studios and, and that to look in that direction. 
and they already do. I mean, Sweet Tooth is another one. I mean, there's yep. so many. Well, Witches just got picked up. That Snyder and that's one of my favorite. I mean, my, my listeners have heard me talk about that so many times, but Witches is getting picked up and turned into a show. And that's God, that's such a freaking good book. Um, so I got a couple couple write-ins here. I'm, I'm gonna try to you know cut you loose here pretty soon, Josh. I want to be respectful of your time. Right. Uh, but uh, but our good friend Dump Licker writes in and says, "What is your favorite comic book ever?" Oh, oh, that's a that's a loaded question. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about like a specific issue, what is it? X-Men? Issue series, whatever yeah. you got. Boy, that's a hard question. There are so many good ones. Um, I re- man, <laughs> I really enjoyed Mr. and Mrs. X. That was probably one of the last ones I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I think it ran like 15 issues or something like that, 12 or 15. That was really good. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a Marvel guy than I am a DC, even though I, I like DC. And... Yeah, X Men. I was big X Men growing up, so probably something something along those lines. Spider Man. There you go. All right, um, Matt G writes in. He wants to know who you think is the most underrated superhero in comic books. Gambit. Oh, good answer. You didn't even have to think about it. Gambit, <laughs> Gambit's awesome. You would think by now we'd have gotten some uh, Gambit. He's like he's got to explode soon. Like that's yeah. got to be a thing. Right. And we're just talking, you know, the big two superheroes. It's David. right. Obviously, uh, Ginger Avenger would be on my list as well. <laughs> I, rumor has it, man. That, that one's going to get picked up, too. So, I mean, I started that rumor, but, you know, it, it definitely is a rumor. And uh, for the right price, I would sell that shit today. <laughs> I mean, I always tell people it's like all it's going to take for me is one thing to pop off and then I'll be able to do this forever. You know, so. I would I would sell one of my things right now, you know, if, if some studio came knocking and, and they were like, we want this one. I'd be like, cool. <laughs> so this one comes in from my daughter. So Zoe Butterfly writes in and by writes in, I mean, she asked me um, <laughs> and she was like, do you have any tips for up and coming writers? Uh, the, the first thing I always say, and, and if anybody's listening, that's heard me interview before, because I've been asked that question a few times and it's, it's one of the best questions to ask. And as a musician, I think you'll know this too. You better develop thick skin and you better develop it very quick because you are going to get told no a thousand times for every yes. Um, that just pertains to being successful, um, and sticking with it. Um, as far as just being becoming a good writer, I mean, you just got to write. Honestly, it's just like anything else; you just got to practice. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> I got one more from one of my trio. <laughs> uh, Spider Packs wants to know um, which is the best Spider Man. Hmm. You mean like, I guess it could be movies, it could be comics, it could be the cartoon series. This is an ongoing question in our house. Oh, okay. So, and I told him I was interviewing a comic book guy. So it was like, oh, well, then we've got to ask who's the best Spider Man. Well, so you, you can go with movies, you can go with whatever. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking like, like, move, like as far as actor that played Spider Man, uh, I, th- I think Toby was a great Peter Parker. I think that Andrew Garfield was an excellent Spider-Man. 
And I think Tom Holland is really good at both. Um, as far as like, if you're looking at comics, I, I, I have a very big love for black suit Spider-Man. I have a whole shelf of black suit Spider-Man stuff right in front of me. And I really love Spider-Gwen a lot too. Okay. Yeah, we are, we are black suit Spider-Man fans in this house for sure. And, uh, I, I, I totally agree with your answer. I think that, uh, Garfield needs a third movie though, just to, to show you everybody that he is the superior Spider-Man personally. I'm, I'm down. I would watch that hundred percent. Dude, I, I'm assuming you saw no way home. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Was that not amazing? It, it was, uh, unfortunately the theater I watched it at, um, there was a lot of talking going on and stuff. So that was kind of annoying. Oh, that would suck. Uh, yeah. I, I love the movie. I mean, it's, you know, and people were like, Oh, all these plot holes and whatever. It's like, dude, it's, it's a freaking comic book movie. Like it, it's not going to be perfect. You know, you're looking for fun and you're looking for fan service, you know, and, and it was, it had all that. So it, it was fantastic. I really loved it. I love that trilogy. I mean, I like all of them, honestly. Even Spider-Man Three, I can get something out of. It's not great, but it's fun. Enough. I mean, we we got Bully McGuire from Spider-Man Three. So, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Have you seen any of the edits they're doing now on the internet on uh, YouTube and stuff, where like people are getting hurt or falling, or there's various you know fight scenes from from different movies, and they're 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 editing uh, Tobey Maguire in there. Uh, I feel like maybe I saw one. Oh my gosh, but, dude! But I don't think I've seen a bunch of them. If you want to laugh, if you want to laugh, just type in "Bully McGuire" in <laughs> YouTube and let it rip, dude. Because Marty really laughing, haven't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those edits are just ridiculous. I mean, people on the internet sometimes it's a very terrible, toxic, disgusting place, and then other times it's 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 very it's it's very wholesome. It's very amazing. So. Um, Josh, I kind of want to end everything. I, I try to keep everything to an hour. These interviews, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're talking to a lot of different people, and you know you probably want to get back to your Rocket League match too. So, um, oh yeah, no, that's that's done for the night. Actually, my buddy's coming. Uh, my friend, him and his dad playing a cover band. They're playing tonight. We're gonna go check them out. It's his oh, dad's birthday, so we're that's gonna awesome. go say happy birthday to them and hang out there for a little bit. But uh, that's dope. Why? Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and shooting the breeze with me talking shop, spending some time, you know, talking music. I, again, selfishly, I went into this wanting to talk music with you. Once I heard you talk with Justin, I was like, Oh dude, we'll talk some books and stuff. But I, I kind of want to, anytime I can talk with a fellow musician, I love to, to have this conversation. So oh, yeah, I love, I love trading war stories and all that. I mean, it's somebody, you know, when you've done that, you get it. You understand what oh, it's yeah. like. How difficult oh, yeah. it is. And, Awesome. So is there anything else? I mean, if there's anything else you want to share with the audience, um, where can we purchase your books, physical, digital, you know what I'm saying? What's the best way to get our hands on the things that you have done? Yeah. I mean, you just go to cutthroatcomics.com. Um, there's a store where you can buy all the physical stuff. If you're looking for digital, you can click on, uh, there's a novels page, a children's book page and a comics page. And you can, uh, you scroll down, you read everything, and there's there's buttons to get to the digital stuff. Um, so that's where you can find all that stuff. Um, I don't know when this is going to air. Monday at 6 a.m. Okay. All right. So, yeah, Tales of Shock and Terror is on Kickstarter right now. We're trying to get that. Uh, I mean, it's already funded, but we're, we're working on stretch goals. It's going to be a really cool book if you like horror. Uh, Cocaine Stripper Stronghold is out. That's my new one. 
And uh, March 4th, look for Turkey Sharks 2 on Kickstarter. There you go. Now, um, whenever you purchase physical books through your store, I'm a physical guy, so I prefer physical whenever uh, possible. I'm the same way. Do you ship them yourself, or do you have like a third party do it? Uh, one of these days, I would love to have a third party do it, <laughs> but uh, it's me, and I sign everything that gets ordered, too. Oh, that's dope. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, uh, by the way, I do want to mention this and the listeners, um, maybe this will be the tipping point to get you to purchase one of these books, but the covers that you have for the different Petaman books, um, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the Ninja Turtles cover where they're all coming out of the sewer and then the Batman mask of the phantasm cover. Absolutely brilliant. That cover alone. I'm telling you, I probably get five or seven people per con that they'll be walking by and I'll, I'll see them stop. I mean, cold in their tracks and look at that. And I know exactly what they're looking at every time I can just, I can see it on their face, but uh, yeah. And actually the, the pedal man and kid friendly number three, we've got some variants of that as well. So there's a little drop down. If anybody wants to look at that, uh, I think we only printed 50 each of those. We still have some left. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Five bucks. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. <clears throat> well, you'll definitely be getting some business from me uh, as as a, a a newfound fan of what you do. I, I'm into it. I'll continue to talk about it on the show. I have another podcast that we do. Um, it used to be pretty more regular, but now since I've got a handful of things going on in life that I'm working on, a couple of career changing opportunities. Um, so uh, I don't do it very as often, but I do a Loot Bros comic cast, and unfortunately, my comic cast co-host couldn't be here tonight. Um, but we'll, we'll, you know, occasionally we'll tackle books on there. We'll we'll rip interviews. So this interview will go live on the Loot Bros podcast, and it'll also go live on the comic cast for people that subscribe to one and not the other. Um, so this will go live both places. I will put all of your links and stuff to your store, to you know your socials, all that in the bio. Uh, Josh, thank you for coming on. I got one more question for you, and then we'll let you go. Um, and I said earlier, what I've been doing is I've been having the uh, the guests leave a question for the next guest. Okay. So fortunately for you, you know the next guest, but you know oh. most guys will not. But yeah, we got Justin um, coming on to talk about the Tales from Shock and Horror. Is that what's called? Tales of Shock and Terror. I, I keep Shock saying horror, too. I keep catching myself. Yeah. So he, originally he hadn't, when I first made you know, contact with Justin, he hadn't released what it was. And right. he just said he had a comment coming on, which I think you had also told me as well. So now, I guess a few nights ago, uh, you know, he had got on some shows and went on social media and had posted it. So now I'm over here. My relation to him is Tales from the Crypt. So yeah, I keep wanting to say Tales from the Crypt. So right. Tales of Shock and Terror. So. What would you, what question would you leave for him? Anything, it can be whatever you want. Oh boy, let's think of something stupid. There you go. Um, how about, how about, let's go. I heard you have a My Little Pony tattoo. Um, how much do you love it? And when are you getting another one? <laughs> I'm going to ask him that question, but not tell him. That you left it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Josh, thank you for coming on here and giving us a little over an hour of your time. I really appreciate it, man. Anytime you got anything you want to talk about, uh, 
you're more than welcome to come on. Shoot me a message, bro, and we'll we'll do this again. Next time you got something you want to push, you want to promote, if you just want to talk music, you want to talk shot, you want to talk games, whatever. If you just want to come on the show and just, you know, commentate some of the r- ridiculous things that we tackle week after week, you're more than welcome, man. I appreciate you. Know, I, I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I like doing these things. These things are cool. And, you know, like, like I told you before, you know, I like talking about my work and stuff, but I like just talking. Talking's fun, too. Heck, yeah. Well, I like I said in the beginning, or I might have been off the air, but I, I want to give everyone a platform, you know, to at least pimp your stuff, you know, and then from there, we'll go wherever. You know, we we might not have talked about anything tonight, but I I, I appreciate the conversation. So, again, thanks for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your evening, listeners. Thank you so much for giving us your time, checking this out. Please check out Cutthroat Comics. Check out Josh Nealis on Facebook, Instagram, and all the different socials. I have all the links in the bio um, and buy some books. You know, support you know independent artists, support independent publishers. Check this stuff out. Speaking of supporting independent artists, um, in what I've been doing the past few weeks, I've been playing songs that I've written for one of my side project bands, not necessarily the main band, Ninja Loot. And this is another one. This is another RPD joint. This is um, a song called Only Cowards Run, uh, very much inspired by some of the... Uh, uh, I said Resident Evil, jeez. Some of the Ninja Loot stuff that we did. So we actually had a song, uh, a shirt that said Only Cowards Run. It's one of the lines and one of our songs called The Hardest Fight. As a matter of fact, we're actually naming um, the album Only Cowards Run. So this is kind of a tribute to you know, some Ninja Loot stuff. So here you go. RPD, Only Cowards Run.